the first person to survive Alzheimer's disease is out there. They're going to hold on to everything the disease steals away. And the Alzheimer's Association is going to make it happen by funding research, advancing public policy, and spurring scientific breakthroughs. And by providing local support to those living with the disease and their caregivers, we're easing the burden until we accomplish our goal. But we won't get there without you. Visit ALZ.org to join the fight. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts podcast. My name is Mung. Hey, everybody. It's Los, and we are uh, just about finished with the wild card week of the fantasy playoffs. Exciting times, exciting games. Hopefully, you had some buys. Uh, I got to sit this one out at a first round buy. Always nice to just relax and watch some football without, without you know, having heart attacks uh, every five minutes. Yeah, I did have buys in three of my leagues. Um, oh, okay, fancy but, pants. Uh, <laughs> well, I actually tweeted something about this, uh, you know, last Thursday after Derrick Henry's big night. Um, and pretty much, you know, every week uh, during the fantasy football regular season, uh, every lineup situation is important because you should always be trying to get that first round playoff buy. Um, it, it's basically an odds game, right? Because the fewer games that you have to play, uh, the less variance that you're going to encounter, you know, variance like playing up against huge games from Derrick Henry and Amari Cooper and, you know, variance like if you had Jalen Samuels or Sony Michelle and then Steven Ridley and James Devlin stole some touchdowns or, you know, if you had studs like Todd Gurley or Zach Ertz who just didn't perform this week. So, Hopefully, uh, you know, you did have that bye week, or if you didn't, uh, you survived the carnage in week 14. Yeah, I like that. Free wins, uh, uh, a free week is a free win. Yeah, it's like, uh, what is it, the free spot in bingo, if, uh, if people are old enough to know what bingo is at this point. Oh, come on. Everybody knows what bingo is. Get out of here. <laughs> I yeah, don't know. You got I don't your know. thing. It's the third spot in your end row. It helps you with your diagonals and your middle things and all of your ends. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's what the bye week is, your free space. Sure. Yeah. Only well, a heck of a lot more important because you still need four other things in bingo. In fantasy, you only need two more wins after your free bye week. That is uh, that is very true, and hopefully we can uh, get you to the to to those. Excuse me, ugh, I can't talk. I'm too excited about this game right now. Hopefully we can get you those two more wins to take you all the way. Well, I hope you can get me those two more wins. That's for sure. Not in the league where uh, we're in together, but uh, you know, outside of that, I wish you luck. Well, I'd, yeah, I'd have to see you in the championship. You'd have to get past uh, our powerhouse. Well, I would suggest perhaps watching the games together that week, but you'd probably leave me hanging again. <laughs> I mean, I'll consider it. Oh, ah, ah, my heart hurts. <laughs> uh, actually, I, I won't be available to watch the games next week, but that's uh, that's a whole nother uh, that's a whole nother kitten caboodle and story. All right. Well, regardless, here um, we will kick it off with our close shave of the week, and. <laughs> I'm going to be honest here. I, uh, I strongly considered a few options here, uh, T.Y. Hilton and Kenyon Drake among them, and I changed it uh, a few times yesterday before I ultimately settled on the Chicago Bears defense as a whole. Uh, how could I not here? With the top seeded... Good choice. Good with, choice. Yeah, I mean, you knew where I had to go, Los, because yep. with the top seeded L.A. Rams traveling to a bitterly cold, windy city for an NFC showdown, uh, most experts expected the Rams to continue their dominant season. 
but the Bears' defense refused to listen, pressuring Jared Goff all night long and forcing him to throw a career-high four interceptions. It would also be the first game since Sean McVay took over the Rams that they would not score a touchdown in a game. The Monsters of the Midway finished the night with three sacks, four interceptions, and a safety en route to a 15-6 win over the Rams, dealing them just their second loss of the season in a statement win. Oh, and they scored fantasy owners who dared to start them a whopping 20 points in a crucial matchup in the first week of the fantasy playoffs. Get your close shave like the Bears defense with Gillette, the best a man can get. Want to try blades for less? It's easy. Just choose the right blade for you, order conveniently on the website, by email, or by text, and your blades will get shipped right to your door. Start today and get $3 off your first order. Love the choice. Love the pick for the close shave player of the week. Players of the week, all 11, 12, 13 of them, however you want to count different guys that rotate it on the defense. Just a fun, awesome, great game to watch as a Bears fan. Um, I feel like that sort of win was was years in the making, and everything came together all at once. We had we had different coaching, we had new a new offense, we had more players on the defense. It was it was really phenomenal, and hopefully we can double down with a nice win at home against the Packers this coming week. Yeah, and I think uh, if you're a Bears fan, the most encouraging part about that win last night was the fact that Mitch Trubisky's, Mitch Trubisky's shoulder clearly wasn't at 100%. He was overthrowing people left and right, and they still got the win. Hey, defense wins championships, baby. Yeah, speaking of defense, uh, this, this next matchup is going to be pretty tough on both teams here. Oh, that's for sure. Thursday night football we lead into this week. The L.A. Chargers at the Kansas City Chiefs. I really expected more from the Charger versus Cincinnati, but I, I don't think they hurt you. I think they all did fairly well enough. Um, they get the great Kansas City matchup for your playoffs now. Phillip Rivers, Keenan Allen, and Melvin Gordon are, are all ones, of course. Eckler should be a flex, as he showed that he is better in the backfield than Justin Jackson if he's healthy and available for this week. And Mike and Tyrell Williams do will have deep uh, deep league boom bust flex value here in a, in a game that... You know, maybe they'll score 50 points this game. Who knows? Uh, could be four more touchdowns for San Diego or for uh, the Chargers themselves this game. Uh, where do you think they'll land? Yes, yeah, this is a big, big game here that could determine both the AFC West champion and also potentially the number one seed in the AFC. So it sounds like uh, Melvin Gordon will have a chance to return this week. Uh, for those of you that made it past this first week of the playoffs without him, hopefully he will be back for you here. Um, as for Austin Eckler, it does sound like he will likely be out with either a concussion or a shoulder injury. We're not sure what exactly happened on that onside kick attempt, but uh, clearly did not look good. He was in pain on the ground for quite some time. Uh, assuming Melvin Gordon plays, he's going to be at a running back one. Uh, but if he's out and Austin Eckler is out, then Justin Jackson becomes a high-end running back two and a must-add if he's still available on waivers in your league for whatever reason. Starting Keenan Allen, of course, as a wide receiver one. And then, as you said, uh, I don't have Tyrell Williams or Mike Williams as flex plays, but they are high end wide receiver fours, and clearly lots of upside here uh, if you need help at the wide receiver position. And then finally, Antonio Gates is interesting enough to mention, at least uh, as a high end tight end two this week, uh, just given the issues that Kansas City has had with defending against tight ends this year. Uh, and, of course, uh, you love Rivers here as a mid-range QB1, even if Eric Berry is back for this game. Should be a fun one to watch here. 
Yeah, the Kansas City Chiefs get the short week to prepare and heal. Uh, Pat Mahomes had trouble all day with the Baltimore defense and pulls another tough defense here versus Joey Bosa and the Chargers. Uh, he's still a quarterback one, though. Uh, pending pending health this game, Hill and Kelsey are locked in ones as well with Spencer Ware, still a high-end running back, too, despite two Damian Williams touchdowns. I think that Damian Williams is a solid flex play more so than Ware being in trouble of losing work or playtime or anything like that. Um, I think he had six touches. Two of them just happened to be for touchdowns. Right. And, um, you know, while Spencer Ware did out-touch Damian Williams by quite a few, uh, it is important to note, though, that Williams got both the hurry-up, um, you know, in the in the last few drives of the game as that receiving back. So he got some of those important snaps as a passing-down professional and then he also got the goal line carry. So even if the number of snaps is clearly in favor of Spencer Ware, uh, it's still going to be a, a tough decision for me, at least, to pick between the two. As of right now, I have them both just as flex plays. I know you're much higher on Ware here than I am, but um, the Chargers defense is pretty rough, too. Uh, so I don't know that there's going to be a ton of yards there for either of these guys on the ground. I would still lean where slightly over Williams at this point, but again, I have them pretty close in my rankings. Um, is there a reason you have where that much higher? Is it just because of the, the amount of times he touched the ball? Yeah, I, I don't think it was necessarily, oh, we, we need to get Damian Williams in here on these hurry up plays. It was that, that was who was on the field. That's what we're doing. And we're running the plays and we're going to, and we're going to go score points. So no, uh, Spencer Ware has had, a, has made a career of catching passes in Kansas city. He can catch the ball just fine. Damian Williams isn't, you know, a stud performer. Damian Williams is so bad that Miami left him out, you know, out on the street after being their starting running back. So that, that's all you need to know about Damian Williams. Okay. I, I think um, purely as a pass catcher, I think Williams might actually be slightly better than Ware in that regard. But uh, certainly, again, um, th there's upside for both in this offense. Yes? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Um, so the big question here is going to be Tyreek Hill's heel or foot issue here. Um, I, I don't know that much about it, but I will go to a trusted source on this very specific injury. And that's uh, if you follow... Uh, people on Twitter and you play fantasy, you should definitely be following at Pro Football Doc. Uh, that's Dr. David Chow. Um, he was actually a, a doctor for the for the Chargers for quite a few years here, um, and he tweets out a lot of analysis about injuries. and And here's what he has to say about Tyreek Hill here. Uh, you know, it looked pretty bad. He was limping at times during the game, but the injury appears to be to Hill's right heel not at the attachment of the Achilles like Eric Berry, but on the bone itself. And this takes away Hill's ability to walk normally because of the pain on the heel, but it actually doesn't hinder him so much running because when you run, uh, basically you use, you know, you put, put more pressure on the balls of your feet. So according to Dr. Chow, again, at ProFootballDoc on Twitter, Supposedly, Hill should be able to go, although it may limit certain routes like comeback routes, things like things of that nature that require him to stop quickly. Um, but Hill should still be able to play. So monitor his practice status. We'll talk about him more on the uh, injury section, too. But it sounds like he'll be OK. So assuming that Hill is active, I would start him. 
Um, if he is not for some reason, I would downgrade Mahomes slightly, but just still just to a, a mid-range QB1. You certainly aren't benching Mahomes uh, anywhere that you own him uh, unless you own you know another top five quarterback here. But essentially, uh, you know, Hill's a wide receiver one. Kelsey's a tight end one, as you said. And I think that Demarcus Robinson uh, was the de facto number two wide receiver, but I don't know that you would want to rely on him as more than just a wide receiver four. Um, even then, I would probably take one of the Chargers guys uh, over Robinson here. And then finally, Demetrius Harris. Uh, he's been getting more and more involved with Sammy Watkins out. Uh, he's their tight end two behind Travis Kelsey here. And I think Harris actually has upside here. I have him as a mid to high end tight end two this week. Uh, and, you know, just uh, for deeper leagues as well, we talk about running running back handcuffs a ton, but uh, Dallas Goddard and Dimitri, Demetrius Harris are two priority tight end handcuffs. Pretty rare scenarios, but uh, they would be pretty valuable if anything happened to Kelsey or Ertz here. Yeah, this is not the time you want anything bad to happen to your guys. Um, I'll take Kansas City uh, at home. Hopefully everybody's healthy. Yeah, this is a really tough one. I think it comes down to really Tyreek Hill's health and assuming he can play, even if he's not 100%, I think I would still lean the Chiefs at home slightly. Saturday games, that's right. We have Saturday games this week, two of them. Uh, the first one is at 4 p.m. Eastern, so make sure you get your lineup set. Houston at the New York Jets. Houston had their big winning streak snapped by Indianapolis, but get a reprieve here on that uh, shorter week at the Jets. Watson should be a one here versus the Jets. Lamar Miller gave you only 33 yards with the touchdown, demonstrating exactly why he's a low end running back two. If he doesn't get the if he doesn't get the touchdown, he's left you with about four points. Uh, actually, that's not true. This this game he did have five catches, but we know that's pretty rare for him. Um, and I'm betting those catches were just because Houston seemed to have lost like six more wide receivers this game, uh, with their backup quarterback even having even having to line up at wide receiver. Uh, just an ugly. Uh, situation that will be greatly improved once filler and QD are healthy next year. Um, Hopkins is a wide receiver one, and the defense will shade to him, leaving some opportunity for Demarius Thomas, who snagged four catches for 50 yards this week and should have a similar floor with upside for greater success. Uh, still just a flex play, in my opinion, though, a, a risky one still. When's the, uh, when's the last time we heard the name Joe Webb in fantasy? It's, uh... What, in fantasy relevance, probably never, but I last I heard the name was about two and a half years ago. Yeah, it's, it's been a while, so uh, no, you don't need to go pick them up. But uh, overall, the Jets' defense doesn't really scare you if, if you own any of these Texans. Watson, uh, as you said, still a nice low-end quarterback one here. I still like Miller as a low-end RB2. Um, of course, you're starting DeAndre Hopkins. And as for the other wide receivers here, um, Kiki QT, if he's out again, then I like Demaryius Thomas as a mid-range flex play. But if QT's back, then both he and Thomas are going to be low on wide receiver threes for me here. Um, again, he has that risk to re-injure the hamstring. We saw that happen before. So I wouldn't fully trust QT here. And then additionally, maybe Ryan Griffin and Jordan Thomas uh, have some upside if QT is out again. Uh, but both of these guys would be risky plays. As for the Jets, they pulled off the upset, uh, if you want to call it that, in Buffalo behind uh, behind 170 yards and a touchdown from Sam Darnold, 17 carries, 60 yards and a touchdown from Eli McGuire, and uh, four catches, 76 yards and a touchdown from Robbie Anderson. If none of that excites for this week, good. 
It shouldn't. Uh, not, not in the playoffs. It does bode well for the future, though. As McGuire is a guy that we've told you to keep an eye on for next year. Uh, Crowell only managed five yards this game before leaving with an injury. Uh, he's a gutsy flex call, as is Anderson, but I'd avoid them all if I could this week. Yeah, you know, I actually like Elijah McGuire here. If uh, Isaiah Crowell can't come back after re-injuring that foot against the Bills, McGuire was the clear workhorse back here. Uh, he played well enough. Uh, he got the goal line carries, got that touchdown, and he's involved as a pass catcher. I have him as a high-end flex play here if Crowell's out. I'd probably avoid Darnold, though, uh, and with Quincy Nunwa likely out after aggravating his ankle injury. Um, Robbie Anderson, he has some desperation wide receiver four upside, but I think the sneaky play here might actually be Jermaine Curse uh, over Anderson. Uh, assuming Anun was out here, Curse would probably slide into that slot. And then uh, Chris Herndon, just a low-end tight end, too. Again, here, uh, Sam Darnold really barely looked his way, so uh, the Herndon magic is not there right now. Would not risk him in the playoffs. I will take Houston to get back on track in this game. Absolutely. Houston on the road. And then Saturday again, 8.20 p.m. Eastern, 7.20 Central, Cleveland at Denver. Uh, Cleveland picked up the win here as we both picked last week. Good job, Mung. Good job, Los. 26-20 versus Carolina. And they get a tough matchup here, um, even though it didn't look like it for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, yeah, actually, you know what? I evaluated this game before uh, before I before I took another look and saw exactly what happened. But we'll get to the Denver side. Uh, Baker's a quarterback, too, with increasing upside as this offense starts to gel more and more behind Nick Chubb. Chubb gave us 13 carries, 66 yards, and a touchdown, plus four catches. He's a high-end running back, too, against uh, Denver's defense. Jarvis Landry put up two touchdowns, one reception, and one rushing uh, touchdown with some creative usage here, and almost a touchdown thrown as well that Nick Chubb had to had to stretch out uh, running downfield, hit him in the hands, but he couldn't come down with it. Uh, I like what I'm seeing here. He's an upside wide receiver three only, but, you know, there's there's reward to be had there. And then, of course, Dave Njoku is a low-end tight end one, maybe – maybe a little higher end since we saw that San Francisco game and Duke Johnson should not be rostered anywhere. Yeah. I'm with you on Landry here. Even after that big game, I still have him as a high end wide receiver three, like uh, you do Los. Um, I think part of it is there's just a lot of variance there uh, with Chris Harris jr. Out there, uh, the slot matchups much easier now for Cleveland, but they do use Jarvis Landry outside quite a bit. So I don't know how much, uh, of which cornerback he's going to see here, uh, but certainly uh, a lot of upside, as you said. Uh, I agree as well, and Joku is a low-end tight end one here with lots of upside after Kittle broke records against this Denver defense that has struggled all year against opposing tight ends. Uh, and speaking of Chris Harris being out, uh, you know this Denver defense in general isn't nearly as scary this year, but even so, I don't love Mayfield here more than uh, just a mid-range QB2. Uh, Chubb, of course, you're not benching. He remains a high-end running back, too, despite a, a more difficult matchup here. Um, overall, uh, I, I think you're starting the main three guys here on uh, Cleveland. Absolutely. And on Denver, uh, we've got the main two guys this week. A bad game for Denver. Um, it's tough to rely on them in the playoffs after you saw what just happened. But that was mostly, you know, George Kittle, you know, shaking and ba- I don't know. I, I, I had something clever there, but whatever. Uh, Philip Lindsay is a still is still a running back one by my estimation. Uh, I, I can't really see it going that badly for him yet again. Um, Cortland Sutton was hobbled all game. Hopefully he's better here, but I wouldn't start him. Um, Manuel Sanders got hurt right at the wrong time for this team, and I would not bet on Patrick or Hamilton here, uh, especially not 
if Sutton is back near 100%. So I, I guess I said two, but what I really meant was uh, just the one, Philip Lindsay. Um, I don't know, actually. I, I picked up Tim Patrick in a deeper league, but I'll admit that I did not have the guts to actually start him here. Um, I think really the moral of the story here is that regardless of Sutton's health, this Emmanuel Sanders injury clearly hurts this Denver offense as a whole. Uh, I actually would rank Deshaun Hamilton the highest of these Broncos wide receivers. Uh, you know, we don't really know enough to predict the target share that much yet going forward, but Hamilton does play primarily out of the slot, and we know that even going back to his Minnesota days, Case Keenum has always looked to his slot guy. Um, right now, Hamilton is that guy, and he'd be my choice of the Denver wide receivers to flex if you had to pick one. Uh, Matt Lacoste just continues to be a non-factor, shouldn't even be started. Uh, and as you said, Lindsey is the more the most reliable start uh, out of these Broncos players. Uh, he remains a mid to high in RB2 for me with tons of upside after Christian McCaffrey just gashed the Browns' run defense. Uh, he had two touchdowns. It really should have been three. One got called back by penalty here. Um, this is another close one to call, but you know what? I think maybe the Browns keep rolling here and maybe they have a shot at the AFC North if Pittsburgh loses to New England. I'm going back and forth here. I'm going to stick with my pick of Denver. I'm probably handing you a point here. I, I, this, uh, there are some really close ones this week. Yeah. Yeah. Should, well, that's what, that was, that's what makes uh, the NFL exciting from week to week. Um, here comes our Sunday games now, uh, noon central, one o'clock Eastern Arizona at Atlanta. I'm sorry, Arizona fans. Josh Rosen is looking pretty bad. And while they get the nice Atlanta matchup here, uh, you need to look elsewhere for, for big time points. Uh, David Johnson will be a running back one probably this week on the lower end, but that's about it. Uh, the top wide receiver versus Detroit for Arizona was Trent Sherfield. Yeah. I've never heard of him either. I know you haven't. Um, sorry. Mr. and Mrs. Sherfield, yes, we know We know you know him quite well. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald does continue his quest towards wide receiver records. I'm not going out. I'm not going to acknowledge this milestone that they had last night that, that everybody was talking about. Most receptions for a wide receiver during his time with one team. Now, to me, that means he just isn't the wide receiver with the most catches of all time, with J- which Jerry Rice still has by between two and 300. He's He's got... A, a ways to go before having a real record. Uh, for that reason, I do expect him to keep throwing his way. So in a PPR, he's he's probably not going to score a touchdown. He's, well, actually versus Atlanta, he might. Heck, throw him in your flex if you're feeling lucky. You know, I was really down on David Johnson last week. Uh, just had him as a low-end RB2. And while he struggled on the ground predictably, um, Arizona finally used him in the passing game. Uh, pretty terribly, but, you know, eight catches for 10 <laughs> yards is pretty awful. But, hey, at least they're getting him the ball, and that matters in PPR leagues. So that should translate to good things against an Atlanta defense that really struggles to wrap up and tackle guys after first contact. So, I actually like Johnson much more this week. Uh, you have him as a low-end RB1. I have him as a high-end RB2, close enough there. Um, and as you said, Larry Fitzgerald uh, still a wide receiver through your flex with upside here in PPR. And uh, as you said, uh, apologies to the Sherfields, but uh, we are not starting him or J.J. Nelson here. <laughs> and and with that, anyways, I don't know I don't know yet if Chad Williams is supposed to be back this week, but if he is, he's going to make him completely irrelevant anyways more importantly i'm just imagining like mr and mrs sherfield listening to this podcast and like why are they singling <laughs> us out here <laughs> that i'm I, you know what i'm positive that's exactly what's going to happen tomorrow morning 
As for Atlanta, uh, they got pretty well handled by the Packers. Uh, good job, Mung. As Ryan still put up uh, quarterback one numbers, and he should be fine here. Julio gave us a cool eight catches, 100 yards, two touchdowns. Remains a wide receiver one despite the tougher matchup against the uh, Arizona secondary. I would avoid the other pass catchers this week as Coleman and Smith are likely the plays versus the uh, versus this very beatable run defense. Uh, both are decent enough flex plays this week with touchdown upside, more receiving upside for Coleman. I'd, I'd probably... If it came to it, I'd probably say Coleman is is a flex, whereas Smith is. I'd lean towards keeping him on the bench, but but in a pinch, I would use him. Yeah, um, thank you. I did call that Green Bay win, uh, and I think just in general, more and more, I'm I'm taking storyline into account. You know, uh, they just fired McCarthy. They want to prove that they can win without him. Uh, they you know they made the right call there. Um, and as I'm starting to look more into fantasy and in, into NFL betting in general. I like the storylines. I think they do play a part in this. Like, you know, if it's somebody's birthday, if they're having a kid, um, you know, if someone's father died, you know, this this all matters. That you know, that personal motivation kind of pushes these players over the edge sometimes. Um, all that said, uh, I, I don't share your enthusiasm for Matt Ryan this week. Uh, I think Patrick Peterson's going to limit Julio Jones here, and neither Calvin Ridley nor Mohamed Sanu have shown much ability to carry this offense. Uh, I have Ryan as just a mid to high end QB2. Uh, a lot of better options available on the waiver wire, I think. And then Arizona does indeed allow a lot of points to running backs, but as you said, both of these guys are splitting time. Uh, I have them both as just flex plays. If I had to guess, I would actually prefer Ito Smith. Uh, you know, the Falcons have actually been using Smith more in recent weeks in the passing back role. So I don't know that Coleman's even going to get more catches in this one. Um, and then Smith gets a lot of the red zone work as well. So I think he has more upside than Coleman in this game. Although, honestly, I try to avoid both here. Um, and then Calvin Ridley just been terrible after a couple big games earlier in the season. I would prefer Sanu as a wide receiver four if you must. And finally, Austin Hooper hurt his knee on the final drive of the game here against Green Bay. Questionable for this week. But even if he plays, uh, the Cardinals are tough on tight ends here. I'd avoid Cooper, or excuse me, Hooper as no more than a back-end tight end two this week. And by All the that way, said, I, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, I wouldn't necessarily bench Julio, but I would adjust expectations for him in this game. I, I'll make a bet out of him. I think he's a solid wide receiver one. Yes, Patrick Peterson's there. Yes, the secondary is, is very good. But they move Julio around. He'll be all over the field, and he finds, way, he finds ways in space. There's a reason that I, I still think he's, if not the best wide receiver in football, he's number two. Um, I mean, fantasy-wise, I, I have him as a low-end wide receiver one. So I'm not, again, like I said, I'm not benching Okay. Him. Okay, I thought, I thought you were saying not benching him. In the, there's two ways to take, I'm not benching him. So, sometimes it's like, yeah, don't play him. Sometimes it's like, I'm not benching him. He'll, he'll at least give you flex value. No, right? I, I mean, I, I, think they'll, <laughs> I think they'll move him around and maybe put him in the slot for a few snaps here and there. They'll, they'll, they'll be creative enough to get him a few catches, maybe a touchdown. Uh, I, I just don't see a huge ceiling for him. I, you know, He's not going to go off for 100 yards plus a touchdown here, I don't think. All right, we're beating a dead horse. I'm taking Atlanta anyways. Yeah, you know, I don't see a ton of points on either side here, but I do think that the Falcons can take this one at home. 
Maybe Josh Rosen will give it away just like last week. Uh, Detroit at Buffalo. This was really ugly versus Arizona for Detroit, and Buffalo is a much better overall defense. Um, I'd avoid Stafford here. The running back situation is a complete mess without carry-on, and the wide receivers aren't much better right now. Kenny Galladay's a low-end wide receiver, too, right now. Um, at best, that's what losing Golden Tate and Marvin Jones and carry-on is going to do. Stinks to be a lion right now. I, I can't imagine starting anybody on Detroit outside of maybe Theo Riddick and Kenny Galladay. Uh, Riddick continues to be a PPR flex play. He's, he has an okay floor, not a ton of upside, but if you need like 8 to 10 points, uh, you know he'll probably get you that. And then Galladay has a tough matchup two weeks in a row now. Uh, after facing Patrick Peterson, now he gets Tredavious White. Uh, I have him even lower, not even a wide receiver too. Just a boomer bust flex play right now as I, as I had him last week. Um, and then finally, Bruce Ellington had some fantasy potential, but he's likely out with a hamstring issue as well. So, again, really just Riddick and Galladay here. As for Buffalo, the Bills lost late to the Jets. Josh Allen did manage 18 points, but it was behind the stat line. 200 yards passing, two interceptions, 100 yards rushing with a lost fumble and a touchdown. That's a roller coaster of epic proportions to ride in the fantasy playoffs, but it worked for you this week. Um uh, it could well again versus Detroit, and I have him as a high-end quarterback, too, with definite quarterback one upside. Uh, LaShawn McCoy was injured early, and Zay Jones followed up his big week with three catches on nine targets for 22 whole yards, uh, where Robert Foster went 7 of 8 for 104. Slay will be a tough matchup for both. I don't know who he's going to shadow, if either. He's probably not going to follow anybody, because I, I wouldn't necessarily say one is demonstrably better, but both are going to be limited at some point in this game. Um, I'd avoid them both, and I, I'd let uh, things gel and go forward in the offseason, see who they draft. Ooh, demonstrably. I like that word. Getting Thank you. fancy over here, Los. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, Josh Allen's been pretty terrible throwing the ball, but uh, again, we touched on this last week, like Lamar Jackson, uh, his rushing floor and upside, keep him that high-end QB2 range. So um, at running back, assuming LaShawn McCoy is out with his hamstring injury, um, I probably wouldn't trust him even if McCoy's back. Uh, you know, we know that these hamstring injuries have high risk of re- re-injury, so I'd probably avoid him if he's active. I'd avoid all the running backs if he's active. Uh, and even if McCoy's out, uh, I don't love Chris Ivory uh, as more than just a desperation flex play. Uh, very good Lions run defense here. And as you said, uh, on the outside, Darius Slay is going to be a tough matchup for both Zay Jones and Robert Foster. Uh, Jones certainly disappointed this week. I know per, per, uh, personally, firsthand, as someone who lost Odell Beckham late and had to start Jones in a, in a tight mm. spot. Um, don't love either him or Foster. I think where you want to attack Detroit, uh, their secondary is at the slot, and that's going to be Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, he also got a rushing touchdown. He's being used in various packages right now. So if I had to pick a Bills receiver, it would be McKenzie here um, as a wide receiver four, wide receiver five. But really, you don't want to try to start any of these guys outside of Josh Allen, I don't think. Um, I honestly don't know about the matchup either. Detroit's been awful, but they somehow pulled some wins out of nowhere. Uh, but you know what? Just a gut call. Give me the Bills here at home. Yeah, I'm taking the Bills at home also. They're favored right now, but after all that analysis on their players, they don't have any. Um, but, yeah, Detroit's equally limited. It's you know could be a 9-6 to six win for Buffalo. Could be, but I could also see uh, you know him you know running for, what, 120 yards and then just bombing it deep to 
Robert Foster for like an 80-yard touchdown. So it could happen. Who it knows? could happen. Uh, Green Bay at Chicago. Green Bay comes into Chicago after taking out the Falcons at home, and Aaron Rodgers looked much better this week. Under 200 yards, though, with two touchdowns, despite the pass defense being terrible. Um, that said, Rodgers will, eh, I don't know. Actually, thinking about it, watching Jared Goff, I mean, you're not going to sit Aaron Rodgers. That's not something you're going to do in your playoffs, but I let's see him score 13, 12 points. I'd be pretty happy with that. Uh, Aaron Jones is a high-end running back, too. Last week, giving us 17 carries, 78 yards, and a touchdown, plus three catches. Adams is a wide receiver, one, with another seven-catch, 80-yard, and a touchdown day. Mung was, of course, right-picking Randall Cobb as the number two option there this, uh, that last week. And I see some room for growth for him, as the Bears have had some trouble with wide receiver twos against good teams. Obviously, we didn't see that last week, as the Bears did a darn good job against all the receivers. Um, he's a good choice in the flex this week, I think. EVS and ESB have taken step, steps back as of late. Uh, so, um, pretty unexciting Green Bay offense. I can get used to this sort of thing. Yeah, I'm going to go calm again here. Uh, as you said, he has the most chemistry with Rodgers. These rookie wide receivers just don't know yet exactly what Rodgers likes for them to do when they're doing that scramble drill, and I think they're going to be doing the scramble drill quite a bit against this ferocious Bears defense. Um, and, you know, as you said, the none of the Rams wide receivers did great last year, or not last year, uh, last night against the Bears, but Robert Woods was the most successful, and he's the slot guy. Uh, with Bryce Callahan possibly out, uh, the Bears slot cornerback, um, you know, if he's out with that foot injury, uh, you know, Cobb may have another big day here as that outlet receiver. Um, maybe Jimmy Graham sees some more checkdowns too, but still just a mid-range tight end too here in a tough matchup for him. And as for Rodgers himself, I think you can bench him. Uh, I have him as a very low-end quarterback one. I think I'm, I have him as quarterback 12 this week. Um, and that's only because of what he's been able to do in the past. Uh, they may be down three of their starting offensive linemen again. Uh, they That may be okay against Atlanta, but uh, I don't know that that's going to get the job done in Chicago. So I think depending on your options, uh, I wouldn't have an issue with benching Rodgers here. And I also am not as high on Aaron Jones. I have him as a low-end RB2 here. Uh, you know, the Bears have been very tough to run on, and even though he's out-touching Jamal Williams, he's still splitting time with him even after the McCarthy firing. So, uh, you know, with the offensive line issues and the Bears' good run defense, I don't love Jones. The really only safe starting option is Devontae Adams, much like Julio Jones. Uh, he's a top-five talent, but I have him down in fantasy to a low-end wide receiver one this week. Rodgers or Trubisky? Trubisky. Yeah. That's I an easy I call agree. for me. Yeah, I think so too. Rodgers or Winston? Oh, no, uh, Rodgers. Yeah, I think so too. Rodgers or Mayfield? Uh, I think Rodgers. Yeah, but, I think so uh, too. You know, a guy, some guys that I would consider over Rodgers, um, Dak Prescott. Still owned yeah. in only about half of leagues. Um, Trubisky, as you said. And this is going to Josh be... Allen and Lamar Jackson? Uh, Josh Allen, for sure. Lamar Jackson, I'm not sure about. We'll have to see about the Joe Flacco You news. hate Lamar Jackson. <laughs> well, just because the fact that they said Joe Flacco, if activated, they could split snaps at quarterback. I mean, that's that's a tough call. Oh. Well, yeah, yeah, that's that's tough to start in the fantasy playoffs. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll pose, you, I'll pose you an interesting one. 
Okay. Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr? Oh, I I can't trust Derek. I know I know he has the amazing matchup versus Cincinnati, but this is still Derek Carr. One week does not change a does not change a season for me. Yeah, I don't know. I that that would be a tough call for me. Yeah. Uh, okay. As for Chicago, uh, just a great, great showing by the Chicago defense, as we talked about earlier. Hopefully we could see that again versus the Packers. Uh, hard to rely on much um, from the offensive side necessarily, but the Packers' secondary is not great. So Trubisky should once again be near a quarterback one level of healthy. I think, as we both said, I think we both actually, when it comes down to it, have him firmly as a quarterback one. Uh, Tariq Cohen has carved practically guaranteed running back two value for himself, while I'd avoid Howard here. Um, and Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel are flex plays with huge range of outcomes here. Uh, hard to rely on. Maybe it's too much Chicago optimism, but I can definitely see top 30 finishes in there for both of them. That, of course, leaves the question of Anthony Miller that always throws a wrench in there where, you know, he can go off to become a wide receiver one, one on the week and then Gabriel and Robinson sort of disappear. So there's always that risk there. I think that's exactly what happens. Um, oh. I don't know about wide receiver one, but I do like Anthony Miller the most out of those three this week. Um, actually, you know what? I know. I, I think I would probably rank Taylor Gabriel the highest. Um, oh, wow. He seems to have the most chemistry with Trubisky, and they have issues with those rookie cornerbacks outside. And you know, all it takes is a couple steps on him, and Gabriel's gone. So. I would probably start Taylor Gabriel uh, as a mid-range wide receiver three here. Uh, Miller and Robinson after him is just low on flex plays. But as you said, all of them have very high upside here. It's pretty clear that Mitch Trubisky's shoulder was not at 100% last night. Uh, some pretty bad throws. I don't know that we can blame that all on the weather. Um, oh, but again, he gets another week to heal up here and another week of practice to get back into that throwing rhythm. So Regardless, though, the Packers' secondary pretty shaky despite playing well against Matt Ryan. Uh, as, as I said earlier, I would uh, prefer Trubisky over Rodgers. Uh, I have him as a low on QB1 here. And then the Packers' run defense is better than their pass defense, so I like Cohen as a mid-range RB2 and Howard as a mid-range flex play here. Um, as for the tight ends, I have Trey Burton uh, as just a tight end, too. Uh, he's a risky play given his limited involvement in the offense as of late, and if you're desperate, uh, maybe throw in Akeem Hicks as running back and Brad Sowell as a tight end too. But uh, <laughs> just kidding. But uh, yeah, if you, you go. if you play in IDP leagues, I guess uh, you're starting these guys because now they have high ceilings if they score a touchdown, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but ultimately, I, I think I think this defense remembers uh, the North remembers that Week One loss, despite how well the season has gone overall. They're hungry. And I think they're going to chomp down on some cheese this week. Give me Chicago at home. Yeah, give me Chicago at home. Um, I'm looking forward to this one. Really, really looking forward to this one. This this may be the start of, of a turning point, the end of an era, and the start of a new Bears era, new Bears age. That's think, what I'm hoping uh, for. I think the best outcome you can hope for if you're a Packers fan is for them to lose by you know, only 10, 13 points, uh, and then Aaron Rodgers gets out of this one healthy. Yeah, exactly. Escape uninjured. Let's call it that. Oakland at Cincinnati. Uh, say what you will, but the Raiders came to play versus the Steelers, and there is some opportunity to be had versus Cincinnati. Cincy, as uh, you alluded to earlier, uh, if you're hurting at quarterback, Carr is a two here with upside against the non-existent Cincinnati defense. Cook is a good tight end one here, and I, I even think, call me crazy, 
But Doug Martin has back-end running back two appeal in this week. Uh, he might be on the waiver wire and could answer some fantasy, uh, some some week two uh, playoff prayers. Yeah, I could see this being a back-and-forth game uh, between two teams with poor defenses. As you said, uh, Martin, I have him as a high-end running back three or flex play. Uh, Jalen Richard, I'd probably avoid here as Oakland may not be in catch-up mode. He's really used more in that pass-catching role. Uh, Jared Cook, you've, I've got him as a mid-range tight end one here. I think I'm, I have him as tight end six. Um, so since uh, you know I'll be starting him, he'll probably drop two touchdowns and have just four yeah. points, something like that. But exactly, that's how that's how it always seems to go with Jared Cook. Um, and then you know what? Call me crazy, but give me Seth Roberts as a high-end wide receiver four if you're desperate. Uh, Roberts, wow. uh, you know he's the slot receiver. Uh, you know that's a good, good matchup for him against Cincinnati here. Jordy Nelson, if you're desperate, I guess. But on paper, again, this should be a back and forth game. Lots of throwing here, lots of scoring. And if you're desperate, Derek Carr, he's a risk reward mid range QB two here with pretty decent upside. I don't know that I would bench Rodgers for him, but I definitely have to think about it. Yeah, as for Cincinnati, uh, Joe Mixon is a high-end running back, too, again. Can't say enough about his talent. Uh, there could be some room for Tyler Boyd as a wide receiver three. Uh, that's about it for me. Uh, Uzuma is a low-end tight end option. I haven't liked what I've seen of him uh, for the past basically half of the season. Right. Uh, much like the Cincinnati, or much like the Oakland side on the Cincinnati side here, um, I probably wouldn't start Jeff Driscoll, but he has been playing fairly well, uh, enough to keep these other fantasy options afloat uh, in, in terms of the skill possessions. Uh, I do like Mixon as a mid-range RB2 here. Uh, I said last week that I'd avoid Tyler Boyd with a really tough matchup against that Chargers secondary, especially in the slot, and he had just three catches for 52 yards, but against Oakland, you're starting him. Uh, Boyd, I have him as a mid-range wide receiver too this week. And I have C.J. Uzelma as a high-end tight end, too. Oakland's giving up a ton of points to opposing tight ends here. Love the matchup. Um, I think Driscoll's going to play well enough here, uh, and I'll take the home team, the Bengals here. We've just seen so many matchups we've loved for C.J. Uzelma, though, and I would just hate to see you get knocked, get bounced because of him. Yeah. Know, we've seen so many, so many opportunities. I understand that, but who else, so many of who else has left that tight end? You know, we've lost Jordan Reed now. We've lost Jalen Samuels, um, Ian Thomas. I, I don't love Ian Thomas's matchup this week. I, I really don't. I, I know he had a really? huge week, and we'll talk more about Carolina when we get to when, when we get to them. But uh, I don't love Ian Thomas. I would start Uzoma over Thomas. All right, all right. Uh, I I'll take Cincinnati as well. Um, I, at home here, but it, it this one could honestly go either way. Well, yeah, I guess they, they, they all could, could steal one here from I mean, week to week. They stole one against the the Steelers and then fired their GM for winning. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I, Isn't I don't that know. really amazing? <laughs> like I understand he was gone anyway, but like really, like ah, whatever. Yeah, let's move on. Well, yeah, the early word is that Gruden is going to take his brother's GM over to Oakland or over to L, uh, Las Vegas with him so that they can all party in the city and like it's there's so much there's so much in i don't know the words for all these things but there's so many politics involved here rather than actual good football decisions we've seen what this gm has done to the washington redskins it's not good it's it's very bad as a matter of fact and you're gonna bring that into vegas that that's something's gonna explode 
Dallas at Indianapolis. Uh, the Dallas offense continues to improve, and Amari Cooper had the game of his career last week, I think, and, and has a decent enough uh, decent enough chance to duplicate that versus Indianapolis. He's a must-start wide receiver, too. Zeke, of course, is starting for you, and Dak has similar upside versus Indianapolis, who should be able to muster some offense here. 13 targets to both Zeke and Cooper. Uh, I wouldn't look to anybody else on this team at this point of the season. Yeah, I um I love Prescott again here. Uh, I had him as a low end quarterback one on last week's show, and I gotta say, as somebody who started him in a league, uh, I do take my own advice. <laughs> I was very frustrated uh, by halftime because uh, I had benched Josh Allen for him, and he was awful in the first half. Uh, threw a bunch of picks. I just wasn't getting anything, and then he came through in the fourth quarter. Um, currently the number two fantasy quarterback this week, prior to the Monday night game. So. Uh, I'm not quite as high on Prescott this week, but uh, I still like him as a high-end quarterback, too. Again, I would definitely play him um, over Aaron Rodgers here. Um, Zeke had a minor injury scare, uh, but was fine to come back and finish that game. Remains a top-back running back, uh, top-five running back here, but his ceiling is a a little bit lower. Uh, They are going to miss Pro Bowl right guard Zach Martin here. Uh, He uh, re-injured that MCL sprain from earlier this season during the game against Philly, so he will likely be out, um, which is also just a good reminder too. Again, roster these high-value running back handcuffs like Rod Smith for these fantasy playoffs. Um, Amari Cooper was huge. I like him again as I did last week. Uh, mid-range wide receiver too here, clearly with big, big upside. And there's still really no one else to rely on in Dallas for fantasy purposes. I suppose Blake Jarwin's a mid-range tight end too after the Colts just gave up a big day to Ryan Griffin, but... Could very well be Cole Beasley, someone else getting those underneath targets this week. So I'd probably avoid uh, Beasley and Jarwin unless you're very desperate. As for the Colts, uh, they beat Houston on the road behind 400 yards and two touchdowns from Luck. He's a quarterback one versus Dallas. Mack is a low-end low running back, too, just 33 yards along with the touchdown that saved his day. Same, same rushing line as Lamar Miller. Actually, uh, I always compare them for whatever reason, uh, except zero catches for him. Uh, Naeem Hines did very little with his five targets, only three catches. Um, the win was really on the back of T.Y. Hilton's 200 yards and a touchdown for Merrick Ebron, who is a top five tight end rest of the season, uh, while Hilton is a wide receiver two who might give you wide receiver one type numbers. Oh, no, no, my friend. T.Y. Hilton is a wide receiver one. Um, All right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you recall from, you know, three or four weeks ago during that show where we talked about trade targets, I was saying how Hilton had the potential to be a wide receiver one for the rest of the season. Um, You know, since that time, uh, he's been he's been amazing. He's I I think he's a top five wide receiver over the last four weeks. Um, Actually, uh, just looking real quick, uh, Hilton's been the wide receiver four over the last four weeks overall. Very so, nice. Very um, nice. I have him again as a mid to low end wide receiver one this week. Keep starting him. Uh, as you said, of course, you're starting Eric Ebron, a top five tight end every single week here. And then behind him, Zach Pascal and Chester Rogers filled in with six targets each, but I probably wouldn't want to rely on either of these guys in the fantasy playoffs here. Um, Pascal is a prospect to monitor for deep dynasty leagues, but probably not a whole lot of value here rest of the season. Even against uh, this pretty tough Dallas defense, I'm still uh, I'm with you. I'm starting luck as a quarterback one, uh, but I'm not with you on Marlon Mack. I think he's just a flex play, a desperation flex play at that. Cowboys have really stopped the run dead in its tracks uh, the last few games, 
And as you said, Hines is the pass catching back. So even with Mac, you're not getting any sort of PPR floor. Uh, you're basically praying for 50 yards and a touchdown on the ground, uh, sort of like a Doug Martin. And that's flex territory, not RB2 territory. Uh, this is a tough one. I could see this going either way. Once again, both of these teams are hot right now. Uh, so I will lean the home team and the team with the slightly healthier offensive line, and that's going to be Indy. <sighs> yeah, I'm going to lean Indianapolis as well. They just knocked off Houston. Uh, I think they take uh, take out two Texas teams in two weeks. <laughs> that's very true. Miami at Minneapolis. Or, whoa. <laughs> at Minnesota. Uh, they will be in Minneapolis. Miami pulled off the game-winning double downfield lateral play to beat the Patriots five times fast. Very exciting stuff, folks. Uh, the Miami offense was productive in ways that none of us could have really guessed. Three touchdowns for Tannehill, 12 carries, 92 yards for Gore, two carries, 60 yards, and two touchdowns for Brandon Bolden, uh, former Patriot. If you threw him in your DFS lineups, you probably won. Uh, eight catches, nine targets, 135 yards, and a touchdown for Kenny Stills. Barely anything from Parker and Amendola. It's like uh, the clock was turned back to early in the season or even last season for that uh, connection between Stills and uh, Amendola. As for Kenyon Drake, he got the credit for the end of game touchdown and all the yardage that came with it after a very quiet rest of game. Uh, you're a far gutsier person than I. If you choose or chose to bet on any of those results, I'm not doing it. Not doing it this week. Mm, sadly, uh, as I said last week on the podcast, the Patriots always seem to struggle in South Beach for whatever reason. Yep. So I hope you listened to me and didn't bet money on the Patriots here. Um, Kenyon Drake, before that, uh, not Hail Mary, but desperation play, let's call it, with the, with the laterals, he barely touched the ball for most of the game, uh, presumably, presumably because of his shoulder injury. So you lucked out if you were desperate enough to start Drake. Uh, I have him as just a low-end flex play, a, a much tougher Minnesota run defense here. Uh, Gore isn't trustworthy either. He, his snap's probably going to go down if Drake is healthier, despite some great runs against the Patriots here. And as you said, uh, turning back the clock, uh, Tannehill to Stills, that connection continues, but I would not trust Stills as more than a wide receiver four with Xavier Rhodes and Harrison Smith and all that talent in that Minnesota secondary covering. If Amendola is healthier and can play more in this one, uh, I would probably prefer him the most out of the Miami rec receivers. Uh, probably going to get some check down catches from Tannehill in this one, assuming the pass rush is getting to him. So uh, as you said, don't love any of these guys. Drake would be a low-end flex. Amendola, a desperation wide receiver four, wide receiver five. As for the Minnesota uh, Minnesota Vikings, I, I literally almost said Minnesota Twins. I, I don't know where I'm at with with that whole state right now. Crazy. Uh, tonight we'll see if Minnesota can handle the Seattle defense. I, I think this versus Miami is a fine matchup for the whole team, though, and would confidently start Cousins, Cook, Thielen, and Diggs without question of healthy. Yep, um, I'm with you overall. Uh, just to clarify, I like Cousins as a low-end quarterback one, Cook as a mid-range RB2. Thielen as a top five wide receiver, but I will say that Stefan Diggs will depend on the status of Xavier Howard. Um, he had a minor knee scope last week and missed the game against the Patriots, but he could be back for this game against the Vikings. 
So Howard, uh, one of the best cornerbacks right now in the league. If he's out again, uh, then I have Diggs as a low-end wide receiver one. But if Xavier Howard is back for this, I would downgrade Diggs to a mid-range wide receiver two. Not necessarily benching him, but I don't think the upside for a huge game will be there um, if he is shadowing Diggs here. Kyle Rudolph continues to be that boom robust tight end too. Hopefully you're not relying on him in the fantasy playoffs. That said, I'll take Minnesota at home. The only miracles that happen there involve Stefan Diggs, not Kenyon Drake. <laughs> yeah, I'll take Minnesota on the, at home uh, pretty easily this week. Uh, Tennessee at the New York Giants. The Titans rose up and took the victory against Jacksonville, but I'm not about to start looking their way if I can help it. Uh, the far and away best game of Derrick Henry's career came last Thursday. 17 carries, 238, and four touchdowns. And it's hard to imagine coaching not giving him an opportunity here versus the bad Giants run defense. He is a flex option, but heck, I'd be holding my breath and my nose the entire time. Uh, Lewis is a flex option as well, and that's it for me. Those two guys are very risky flex plays. Has there ever been more of a Jekyll and Hyde team than the 2018 Titans? No, uh, I don't I, think so. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it. They they dominated pretty good Cowboys and Patriots teams, and then they got crushed by the Colts and the Texans, and now they absolutely demolished Jacksonville. I don't know. Uh, this is a good matchup on paper, so it all depends on which of these Titans teams shows up this week. Uh, I, I have Mariota as a decent QB2 option here against the Giants. And I guess Derrick Henry's a, a okay RB3 play after that huge game. Uh, they're probably going to keep using him more, but it also wouldn't shock me if Henry ran 13 times for 50 yards and no score in this one. <laughs> But yep. uh, overall, you know, the Giants' run defense is not great, so I would lean towards starting Henry. Um, Corey Davis, he's a boomer bust flex play here. Uh, Taewon Taylor, desperation wide receiver five. The only other note here is Jonu Smith is out for the season with an MCL sprain, so Anthony Ferkser is an interesting tight end two option. He's played well in limited action this season and is now the tight end one for that team. So there is some upside here in PPR, and then uh, also just a name to monitor in Dynasty Leagues as well. Down to to the uh, third tight end on the team is now uh, now a now a playoff option. Just craziness. That's uh, how the, the fantasy playoffs crushed, go. That's exactly right. The Giants crushed the Redskins without Od- Odell Beckham Jr. playing. Uh, Eli Manning looked pretty decent. Denver's a tougher defense, but Odell Beckham Jr. is a must start if healthy. Barkley rushed for 140 yards on 14 carries with a touchdown and four catches. He's a clear running back one. Uh, due to the matchup here with Tennessee, I try to avoid Shepard and Ingram here, uh, though Ingram did finally have some production, three catches, 77 yards. Right, but the Tennessee defense is tough on tight ends. Uh, Ingram's just a high-end tight end, too, especially if those targets are gone, too, with Beckham back. Um, the earlier reports are optimistic that Odell Beckham will play this week after suffering that quad injury late in practice last week. Uh, probably still avoid Eli Manning here, but of course you're starting Barkley and Beckham, assuming he's active. Uh, and then Shepard, uh, as you said, uh, you know, much like Ingram, if those targets are gone, uh, he's going back to uh, an unreliable wide receiver five, assuming OBJ's back here. Um, Corey Coleman, Russell Shepard, Benny Fowler, they're all not startable. They just got in on the action against a Washington team that's completely given up here. Um, I honestly forgot that Corey Coleman was even on the Giants. So, um, Yeah, so did Eli Manning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, as for the matchup pick here, I don't know. Again, it depends on which Titans team shows up. Um, 
I guess give me the Giants at home if Beckham's back. Yeah, I I don't think you can roll that in Tennessee at all. I, I I'll take the Giants here, um, but it will be close, maybe, or or actually it could be a blowout. It's just whatever. Washington at Jacksonville. Uh, Washington may have an answer at quarterback for the time being in Josh Johnson, but they will likely sign or draft one early this draft. Uh, with Alex Smith having complications with his recovery, with his uh, break of his leg. No real surprise here. Uh, try to avoid this team in your fantasy playoffs. Jacksonville will give AP a ton of trouble, but the game should stay pretty close. Uh, I would not start any of the wide receivers. Um, even uh, Josh Doxson is in concussion protocol. Chris Thompson is going to be limited by this low-scoring game. Uh, just avoid him if you can. Um, the only Washington player I would maybe start here is Chris Thompson as a flex play in PPR. That's it. Uh, if you have to start any other any of these other Washington guys outside of like a 16-team league or a 20-team league, I'm, I'm sorry, but you probably already lost this week. Um, Jameson Crowder got a garbage time late, long touchdown against the Giants after the Giants' defense pretty much already stopped caring. So doesn't matter to me maybe it gives him some dynasty value again but Crowder doesn't need to be rostered in redraft I don't think uh, they play Jacksonville this week then Tennessee next week um, and then I don't want anything to do with Adrian Peterson w- would you start him or Chris Thompson I- I'm Thompson all the way it would probably be oh gosh I mean it's a question of do you want four points or six points I want six. <laughs> yeah, that, then I then I guess it's Chris Thompson just because of the uh, the, rec- the the receptions. Yeah, I mean if you if you start Adrian Peterson, you're praying for like a goal line touchdown. That's it. it exactly. You're or you're praying for him to bust out like a ninety yard. Well, I mean, you know, Jacksonville did just get beat for four touchdowns and three hundred yards by Derrick Henry, so there is the potential for that long, yeah, long rushing touchdown. Like no. you saw him bust not with, out not that with this Washington yarder. offensive line. No way. Yeah. 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 No, I, I would not. I would not <sighs> put your playoff hopes on Adrian Peterson. I'd rather start D- Doug Martin. Yeah, I would too. No, I completely agree. But right. you were asking between those two. I'd probably still lean Adrian Peterson because I think he has the higher chance of something great happening. Nothing great is going to happen for Chris Thompson. I disagree. He he busts out some long screens here and there. Uh, I, I would much rather take a chance on Thompson. You want to make a bet? Yeah. No, because. Like I said, it's gonna be five points Just versus sadness four and a half. all around. Yeah, yeah. Speaking uh, of sadness all around, do you want to talk about more sadness all around? Yeah, Cody Kessler is not the answer to the quarterback problem. Um, Ryan Kerrigan and company are going to be all over him all day. Uh, I'd avoid this team as well as best I could this week. Fournette's a low end running back one. He was stuffed by Tennessee, but he does have that weekly upside in, in a big time guaranteed workload. Yeah, Fournette's the only guy you want to start here. Um, D.D. Westbrook and Dante Moncrief, they're desperation guys. Uh, they might have big days against a just Washington team that's just done, um, or they could have zero catches, so who knows? Uh, you would not want to rely on them outside of deep leagues. Somebody, Somebody's probably going to score a touchdown, but good luck guessing who. It's probably going to be like James O'Shaughnessy or Keelan Cole <laughs> or DJ Shark. Uh, you know, you just don't know with Cody Kessler. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think the Jaguars' defense is going to bury this Washington offense. Uh, hopefully Josh Johnson is going to stay healthy. Uh, he is the number one overall pick in 2019 for the AAF by the San Diego team. So, uh, you know, no, honestly, for his sake, I hope he doesn't ruin his AAF career for, you know, a couple games in the NFL. Oh, is that is that legitimate? That That's a legitimate thing. 
Oh, well, yeah, hey, you know, good luck. Yeah, make your money right now, but, uh, but you know, look long-term, bud. You yeah, know, uh, take knees, slide, and get out of bounds, man, because mm-hmm. this, this Jacksonville defense is not going to take it easy on you. Uh, Tampa Bay at Baltimore. Oh, wait, wait, the hold Bucks. on. The, the picks, the picks. Oh, oh, uh, sorry. I think Jacksonville will win. Yeah, agreed. Um, one, one last fun fact about that game. Um, sure. They brought in Josh Johnson so quickly. Um, he had no time to learn the playbook or even who was on his team that he said uh, he had to play Madden to learn the roster. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That's awesome. Yep. That's awesome. See, Madden, uh, it uh, it changes careers. It's it's an important it's an important part of life now. You too could be the number one overall pick in the AAF. There you go. Tampa Bay at Baltimore. Uh, the Bucks led New Orleans for most of this game before the defense remembered that they just aren't very good before their eventual loss. Jameis Winston had a nice day, but uh, I'm holding and avoiding him here against Baltimore. He may win your league for you in two weeks, but for right now, I'd avoid him as a quarterback too against Baltimore. Uh, we saw just how bad of a time they gave Pat Mahomes. Barber's a running back three, and Evans is high on a wide receiver two this week. Uh, Chris Godwin has the target had the targets with Deshaun Jackson out, but caught only one pass on ten targets. Uh, Cameron Brait caught two short touchdowns. He remains that decent low end tight end one play. Hmm. I don't know if he does. Uh, <laughs> I have him as a high end tight end too. Uh, I, yeah. I think he will get some checkdowns here, but the two the two touchdowns he caught were also the only two passes that he caught. So I know he's got that red zone rapport with Winston, but I just don't know that he's going to get it done against this Ravens defense. Um, If I had to pick a wide receiver, it's probably Evans, but I would consider Humphreys over him. Uh, He seems to have the highest floor right now out of all these guys, and he has a pretty high ceiling too. So that's going to be a tough decision for me in one of my leagues where I own both of them. Uh, You know, I, I, I just don't know. Uh, I, I could see what maybe like three catches for twenty yards for Evans, or I could see like six catches for a hundred yards and a touchdown if he breaks a couple big ones. Exactly. So that that'll be tough. Um, I guess he's a he's a mid range wide receiver too for me here, um, but certainly very boomer bust this week. Uh, I I don't know. Godwin to boomer bust flex play. Uh, if you want to roll the dice, but I probably wouldn't. Uh, certainly avoiding Winston. Yes, for the Baltimore Ravens, uh, Lamar Jackson gave another quarterback one finish. And if Joe Flacco is not playing here, I would definitely roll him out against Tampa Bay. Um, he had two passing touchdowns this week, starting to make that passing attack work for a bit. Granted, it was versus Kansas City, but like I said, Tampa Bay is another perfect matchup for him if he gets the start and uh, solid time. Edwards will be a fine running back to play again, despite another week of zero passing targets as the Ravens kept the game very close, which tanked the opportunity for Ty Montgomery to do anything. Uh, Kenneth Dixon, on the other hand, is a reasonable flex play here, better in a standard league, but he has looked solid since his return, and I think at the very least he's a guy who needs to be watched, especially in Dynasty Leagues. Uh, Despite the touchdowns, I'm still avoiding all the pass catchers on this team. Let it develop. Give it some time. Yeah, um, Lamar Jackson's a risky start. We touched on him briefly, but um, one, I, I think Joe Flacco is going to be active. The question is going to be if he's actually going to play any snaps, and we just don't know that. Uh, it could also be, you know, if Jackson struggles at all or if they get up too big on Tampa Bay. So there's plenty of situations where I could see uh, Lamar Jackson's upside being limited in this game. 
And then he's a risky start for another reason too, and that's because he suffered that ankle injury at the end of the game against the Chiefs. Um, the x-rays came back negative. It's not broken, but it still may not be 100% for this game, so it could really still impact his rushing ability even if Joe Flacco doesn't play. Um, I'd probably avoid Jackson here. Uh, I like his talent, and I, I know the rushing upside is there, but I just think there's enough risk here where I wouldn't want to chance my fantasy uh, quarterfinal here on him, or semifinal. Um, but again, um, given the uncertainty at quarterback, uh, the only Ravens player I'd really feel comfortable would be Gus Edwards, but I still have him as just a flex play. They are mixing in Kenneth Dixon and Ty Montgomery a fair bit, so Edwards is a low floor, low ceiling option here. I, I don't see him um, getting like the workhorse touches. I, I do think that Dixon and Montgomery are going to cut into that here. You're basically hoping for a touchdown from Edwards. Of the wide receivers, uh, Michael Crabtree would be my pick, but there's a lot of risk here for all these guys, uh, which is kind of sad because on paper, this is a really good matchup here. Um, regardless of what happens on this very confusing offense, though, I think Baltimore's defense is going to give them the game here. Sunday mid-afternoon uh, games, or is it the night game? Yeah, mid-afternoon. Wow. Okay, so they've they've really shuffled the schedule this week. So all these games are noon, and then there's only two uh, games that are at the uh, 4.30 spot in the uh, in the afternoon. Wow. Uh, Seattle at San Francisco. It's, it's because the of the, uh, the Saturday games. That, that messes it up all, all the, every year. Oh, that's... That's where they got pulled from, I see. Uh, the Seahawks are playing tonight. The main thing to do is uh, to watch is more clarity for the wide receivers and running backs, but more than likely we're going to see Wilson as a quarterback one. Continued carries shared between Carson and Penny and 10 combined receptions for the wide receivers with four combined touchdowns. Uh, this team is just nuts this year to project. Oh, man, that, that's tough. That was uh, David Moore couldn't get that second foot in bounds on, on what should have been a really nice touchdown, but... Yeah. Um, still a developing prospect. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about him as a boomer bust wide receiver for in just a second. Um, but Wilson, uh, you know, I, I like him as a mid-range QB1 here. Uh, Chris Carson, he's playing well tonight, mid-range RB2. Um, we'll, we'll see about Doug Baldwin's health here. Uh, regardless, I think Tyler Lockett's the best play here as a low-end wide receiver too. Baldwin, if he's active, would be a flex. Uh, and then David Moore is a boomer bust wide receiver for, as we just said. Uh, he's getting those deep shots from Win Wilson. Uh, and if he can just, you know, uh, have better body awareness, uh, get those two feet down, uh, he could be a big, big play threat. So if I had to, I would play more over, uh, probably over Jerron Brown. And, uh, you know, even though he had the touchdown, the two touchdown day against San Francisco two weeks ago, I, I wouldn't go back to him. I'd rather go with Moore. So. Uh, For sure. I, I would avoid the tight ends regardless of Doug Baldwin's status. Yep. Uh, as for the uh, San Francisco 49ers, San Francisco really beat up the Broncos by means of 200 yards from George Kittle, who is still a tight end one, of course. Uh, and the other play is to see if Matt Breed is healthy. If not, fire up Jeff Wilson Jr. as a mid-range. Wow. Fire up Jeff Wilson Jr. as a mid-range running back, too, with PPR upside. 23 carries, 90 yards, with only one catch this week, but he showed the other week that he can get it done in the air as well. Uh, of course, Matt Breida heals like the Wolverines, so who knows? Uh, I'd avoid the wide receivers here versus Seattle. Pettis is a nice dynasty stash, though. 
Um, I, th I think you covered San Francisco nicely here, but I will add that I think Pettis can be more than just a dynasty stash. He could also be a boomer bust flex this week. Um, he's been the second most targeted guy on San Francisco behind Kittle. And he's built up a pretty decent red zone connection with Mullins here. Uh, what is it? Four touchdowns down three games. Yep. So I, I actually do like Pettis this week. Uh, I wouldn't shy away too much from starting him, um, but certainly not as much upside against uh, Seattle here as there was against Denver. So uh, if Matt Breda does play, I like him as a high in RB3, uh, but Wilson Jr. could be startable as a flex play even if Breda's back. Uh, he may retain a good chunk of that pass-catching role and still steal away a few carries if Breda's not 100% just yet. Of course, they're starting George Kittle. Um, probably not another 200-yard day, but uh, certainly like him a lot in this matchup. I like the future uh, in San Francisco. I think it's bright, but I will take Seattle this week. Seattle for me, too. New England at Pittsburgh. Brady was actually really good versus Miami. 350 yards and three touchdowns, but apparently not good enough. He's a quarterback one versus Pittsburgh. Uh, Gronk blew up for eight uh, catches, 107 yards. And a touchdown showing why not to lose faith and do crazy things like group him amongst those low-tier tight ends. Start him, you fools. Julian Edelman, nine catches, 86 yards, and a touchdown to Josh Gordon's five of eight for 96. And both are, again, solid wide receiver. Two options, though Josh Gordon will likely draw some tough Joe Hayden coverage this week. So just keep that in mind. Keep uh, if there if you have a tiebreaker to make between your second wide receiver choice. Um, the Patriots did Patriot things with their backfield right when you needed them most. Though James White, weekly running back one all season, went four carries for 13 yards with only two catches. Sony Michelle went 20 carries, 57 yards. James Devlin vultured a third goal line touchdown in two weeks. That is just not good. Not good at all. Despite all this, I'm not coming off of James White. He should be fine versus Pittsburgh as a running back one. So Michelle's a low-end running back two play, but we, we as uh, as we all know, he has three touchdown weekly upside. Uh, Burkhead is thankfully not making a dent right now. That said, he'll probably go 20 carries for 200 yards and 15 catches this week, right? Yeah. Um, super random thought here. <laughs> when you said... Uh start him you fools uh do you know in lord of the rings when gandalf is talking to uh the rest of the the group and he's like fly you fools <laughs> i just imagined yeah. you with like a beard and a big ass hat and uh you know <laughs> saying gronk you fools <laughs> yeah I, I i can see that <laughs> anyway, yeah thanks I'll, I'll take it uh, maybe, maybe i'll grow that, that beard out of it maybe for halloween next year all right, um, all right, sure. Uh, New England at Pittsburgh, though, uh, always one of the best games of the season. I expect nothing less here. I think this will be a back-and-forth game, quite a few points on both sides. Uh, I like Brady as a mid-range QB1 this week. James White should be a decent mid-range RB2 with upside and PPR. Um, I do think it's going to be tough to run on the Steelers' defense, so I, I, I foresee a lot more James White on short passes than Sony Michelle carries. Um, I would actually bench Michelle here. I have him just a very low-end flex play if you had to start him. Josh mm. um, Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman, I like both of them as mid-range wide receiver two here's. And then uh, I, I won't go so far as to say that Gronk is 100% back, but you're certainly happy today if you're a Gronk owner. He's a mid-range tight end one. There are only a few options that I would start over him. 
And we all know what those are, of course. Uh, as for Pittsburgh, despite the loss, Road Ben wasn't actually all that bad. He'll be a fine quarterback one versus New England, which are typically high-scoring affairs, and he's back at home anyways. Uh, Brown and Smith-Schuster aren't finding their way onto any benches here. The main thing to watch is the health of James Conner. If he can't go, then uh, whether Samuel splits more carries, fewer carries, it doesn't matter. He has PPR running back two upside and solid tight end one upside for Yahoo players. Uh, 15 points this week, despite a not huge day, is more than acceptable at tight end for all you Yahoo guys. Uh, definitely the top tight end on the Steelers, that's for sure. Better than McDonald and Jesse James. Yeah, so despite the rib issue, um, Roethlisberger, I like him as a mid-range QB1 here. And just super weird being held out for half the game and only putting him back in when they absolutely had to. You know, Usually you either can go or you can't. I don't know what uh, Mike Tomlin was thinking there, uh, but uh, again, mid-range QB1 fantasy this week. Uh, he should be fine. It sounds like James Conner may need another week. Um, the report's early, so we'll see about practice this week. Uh, but again, it's the early report does not sound great. Um, if he does play, I would still downgrade Conner a bit to a high-end RB3 or flex. Uh, I would assume he would split a little bit of time with Samuel if he's not fully healthy yet. Um, but if Connor is out, uh, you know, even though Steven Ridley stole a touchdown last week, he only played eight snaps total. So Jalen Samuels is still the way to go here. I have him as a mid-range RB2, uh, or if you play in Yahoo, a high-end tight end one. Um, and if you're desperate enough, uh, you know, Steven Ridley, he's a boomer bust flex play here. New England's run defense is very suspect. And we just saw Brandon Bolden rip off some big touchdown runs in a revenge game for him. Steven Ridley, revenge game possibility as well. Of course, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, both mid-range wide receiver ones here, and again, what should be a very high-scoring affair. And the Patriots have really struggled to stop tight ends, too, this year. I like Vance McDonald as a low-end tight end one. Hmm. If, yeah, if, uh, if, um, oh, Christ, what's his name? If Stephen Ridley scores two touchdowns here, I fully expect uh, Buffalo for Week 16 to go out and sign Jonas Gray and him to score two touchdowns versus the Patriots next week. Honestly, that would be pretty amazing. I would love to see that happen. But uh, uh, I'm going to take New England uh, on the road despite all this. Yeah, this one could go either way, but yep. uh, you know, after poor tackling and poor decision-making throughout that loss to Miami, you can bet that Bill Belichick's me preaching do your job this week. I expect the Patriots to execute a clean, efficient game here, uh, maybe make some late, crucial uh, late-game stops. I'll take New England over Pittsburgh 34-30. to 30. 41-37. Ooh, Sunday wow, night that's football. a lot of scoring. Ooh. <laughs> Sunday night football, Philadelphia at the L.A. Rams. Philly is a tough team because despite being not great, somehow I still have the picture of that Super Bowl victory in my mind from last season. I still want to project them better than they are. But the truth is that once is a low-end quarterback one or a two, uh, there is nobody on this team, I would risk starting at running back in the playoffs. And the same goes for the wide receivers. It's sad, but it's true. Elshon Jeffrey is the best option, and he's been mediocre at best this season, just a flex. Obviously, I'm not including Zach Ertz and all this hate. He had a down week, but he's allowed one of those in this season. You know, he'll be fine here. Just um, the Rams got punched in the mouth, and they're probably pissed off. They're ready to punch back this week, so... Bad news, Bears for the Eagles. Wrong place, wrong time here. Um, as you said, I have Wentz as a mid-range QB, too. I don't love him at all. 
Um, I don't yeah. love I don't love Josh Adams here as more than a low end flex play. And then interestingly enough, with Corey Clement out with a knee sprain, Darren Sproles to me is interesting as a PPR flex play. Um, I think they're going to be playing catch up in this one, and I think Sproles could get like four or five catches, maybe bust a bigger one for like. 30 40 yards maybe um i like sproles quite a bit as a desperation flex play uh otherwise for the wide receivers as you said i don't really love any of them alshon jeffrey i have as a low-end flex as well uh golden tate i'd probably avoid here um nickel roby coleman's very good in the slots and then zacherts uh, as you said you're starting he's the one constant here and then finally one last note for keeper or dynasty leagues if the Dallas Goddard owner in your league only really looks at box scores, doesn't always watch the games, try to trade for Goddard as soon as you can. He had that 75-yard catch-and-run touchdown called back by a horrible offensive pass interference call. The way that he runs routes and the way that he has that yards-after-catch ability, Goddard reminds me a lot uh, and I think has the potential to be the next George Kittle here. Um, redraft, though, obviously I'd avoid him, but... Uh, hmm. Goddard, just a name to remember in Dynasty. Okay. I mean, I like his talent, but where would he get that opportunity? I mean, honestly, I think Philadelphia could play more two tight end sets. Uh, if anything, you know, we're, if Ertz were to miss any injury time, uh, he has in years past. Uh, he's been good this year, but, uh, you know, he has been nicked up here and there. That's true. That's a fair point. L.A. Rams, the Rams lost that tough one versus Chicago, and McVay will do all he can to regrab that first seed. Look for huge weeks from whoever and everyone who's healthy. Gurley Cooks, Woods, they might have let you down a bit in Chicago, but if you weathered that storm, today is a sunny day with beautiful rainbows as Philly does not have a real secondary. Uh, Josh Reynolds is a high upside flex play as well. I like him better than a lot of guys out there. Um, and Goff gets to get back home to warm L.A., so he should be a fine quarterback one. Well, of course. Don't you know it's always sunny in Philadelphia? That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely expect Goff to bounce back here. I have him as a mid-range QB1 this week. Uh, you're not benching Gurley if you made it past round one of the playoffs, even with that rough outing. He'll be back to being a top five running back here. We just saw Zeke eat this uh, defense alive. Uh, Brandon Cooks, I have as a low-end wide receiver one, and Robert Woods is a mid-range wide receiver two. Both of these guys have huge upside against this awful Eagles secondary, especially if Sean McVay decides to run up the score a little bit in this one, get his team back on track here. Um, and as you said, Josh Reynolds uh, as a flex as well, but uh, a little bit boomer bust, so it depends on what your other options are, of course. Uh, I would still avoid the tight ends. Goff probably won't need to check it down too much against this uh, pretty rough Philadelphia defense. So I'll take the Rams here, no question. Uh, the only way they could lose to Philadelphia is if they fire McVay and rehire Jeff Fisher this week. <laughs> yeah, uh, give me the Rams pretty easily. Uh, Monday night football, New Orleans at Carolina. The Saints took a few quarters to wake up versus Tampa Bay. It's possible they were looking straight through that team, but still came away with the win. Uh, Drew Brees remains a quarterback one. Nobody is sitting Kamara or Thomas. Mark Ingram showed up us that running back two status, and weekly he has that rushing upside. I definitely like him this week. Uh, the rest of the team has been pretty inconsistent. I don't necessarily see the upside of betting on guys like Traquan Smith or um, Christian Kirkwood or what's his name? Kirk, Kirkland? Kirk, yeah, Kirkwood. Kirk, Kirkwood. <laughs> don't go to Costco this week. <laughs> um, man, I, I don't know how you could trust your Breeze fully, though. Um, every year when it gets cold, Breeze gets cold. 
He bailed out his fantasy owners with a quarterback sneak for a touchdown late in that game against Tampa Bay, but otherwise it looks pretty rough. Um, Outdoors in December at Carolina, I have Breeze as a low-end quarterback one, uh, barely above Aaron Rodgers here. Going to be a very risk-reward play. Definitely depends on your other options, but I'd strongly consider guys like Dak Prescott or Mitch Trubisky over Breeze this week. Are are you with me there, or are you trusting Breeze? Uh, I'm with you on Trubisky pending how how his shoulder sounds through the week Dak is just too shaky for me I, I mean I, I get it Drew Brees does get cold so to speak in the cold months but you know a lot of people were doubting Tom Brady last week and what did he do all right uh, yeah I just I, I think I'm starting Dak over Brees if given that option this week um, fair enough we could make that a bet if you want I'm, I'm not pulled one way or another really but we had many other opportunities here um, no, I'd rather not as someone who probably yeah. will be starting deck. I don't want to jinx anything. So just, uh, in the, in the interests of the supernatural, I will pass on that bet. Fair um, enough. <laughs> Alvin Kamara, as you said, uh, bounce back here, low on RB one, uh, definitely not mention him. Same with Michael Thomas, top five wide receiver, Mark Ingram. He'll be a boomer bust flex here. Uh, he's been very touchdown dependent at this point. I would consider benching him depending on your options. Uh, this is a Carolina run defense that's fairly tough, and I would expect the Saints to attack them more through the air than on the ground here. As for the Carolina Panthers, they get a long week to wonder what the heck just happened versus Cleveland before they get ready for their upcoming spanking from New Orleans. Newton is quarterback one, um, pending his shoulder health, of course. Not a good game versus New Orleans, but if you've rode him to the playoffs, you aren't stopping now. Um, I guess I meant versus Cleveland, but if you rode him to the playoffs, you're not stopping now. McCaffrey's a running back one with 100 yards, two touchdowns a Devin Funches continued his downtrend with zero catches, and I don't see a role for him on this team next season. To Curtis Samuels, 4 of 8 for 80, and DJ Moore's 5 of 8 for 67. Again, I prefer the rookie Moore as the highest-end option of these pass catchers. And Thomas saw 9 catches, 11 targets, 77 yards, and he is definitely a matchup-dependent play. Uh, I think he has a decent shot at this job next season. I'd call him a good, uh, as good a tight end option as any low-end tight end play this week. He's not going to give you zero points. Yeah, I I think he finishes outside of like the top 15 fantasy tight ends. I just I don't love this matchup at all here. Really? Um, yeah, I don't like it. Um I I know he got the 11 targets and I I don't trust that we can make that bet if you want. Uh I don't think he's a top 15 tight end play. Top 15? Yeah, let's take top 15, sure. So is that do I get 15 or do you get or do you or Yeah, do you, you, get you can you can get 15. I get 16. All right. Well. Fair, fair enough um you know cam newton just looks terrible with that shoulder injury they didn't take any deep shots against cleveland here um i really don't love him as more than a low-end qb1 really lots of risk reward quarterbacks in that range it's going to be a tough call if you own you know like cam newton and aaron Rodgers. like i don't know who do you go with there um i love how they keep saying that his shoulder's just fine and then putting in his backup for the uh for the uh hell marys yeah i mean just i don't yeah <laughs> Um, you know, uh, you're starting him if you don't have better options, but, uh, you know, again, it, it all depends, right? I, I think there are quite a few waiver wire options at quarterback, uh, in most, most leagues, uh, you know, Trubisky, Prescott, we'll, we'll keep talking about these names in just a second, but, um, Christian McCaffrey, of course, you're starting, uh, he's the RB three right now on the season, uh, could have had three touchdowns if one hadn't been called back by penalty against Cleveland. 
Uh, and then, as you said, I agree with your valuation here on Moore and Samuel, both wide receiver three options against the Saints. Um, they're fairly interchangeable fantasy-wise. I don't know that there's a specific role that they play better, so um, really it comes down to who gets the touchdown. And then I know Cameron Brait just had two touchdowns against New Orleans, but you know, given our bets, I, I really don't love Ian Thomas here. That was that f- the first good game that they gave up to an opposing tight end in fantasy all year. Um, very fluky. Both both of his catches went for touchdowns. So again, I would avoid Thomas here. I know you like him low, so we'll see about that. I think this could be an ugly back and forth game. A couple picks on both sides. So I'm going to bet on a struggling Saints team over a struggling Panthers team. I will do the same. Uh, I will take New Orleans here. And I, I really hope you're right about Cam Newton and the whole offense there because I, I, really uh, I really need him to throw up a stinker this week. For what reason? Oh, because I'm playing him. Wait, so why do you want a bad game? No, play, I'm playing against him. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I got you. All right. Okay. I was Come like, on. is this some kind of reverse psychology going on here? No, no, no. It's direct psychology. All I right. just don't know what to say. I just don't know how to talk. All right. Um, moving on to injuries here. Uh, not a whole lot at quarterback, but we'll mention it just in case. Ben Roethlisberger with that rib injury. He was inexplicably held out for half the game until Oakland took a lead, uh, and then he was able to return and seemed to play just fine. Led Pittsburgh on a scoring drive, so should be fine against the Patriots this week. Of course, keep an eye on his practice participation just in case. Lamar Jackson with that ankle injury, uh, we talked about this a little bit. He hurt it on the last drive in overtime, forcing RG3 into the game. Uh, The x-rays were negative, so Jackson should be fine for this week, but it may limit his rushing a little bit if it's not 100% here. And then Joe Flacco with the hip injury. Again, he was close to playing against Kansas City. Should be back this week. And we really don't know what's going on with these two quarterbacks if they're both active. Um, Jackson, again, he has a high floor, high ceiling if he's the only quarterback. But again, we don't know if the reports are true that Baltimore wants to go back to splitting snaps between both of them. Just have a backup plan in place if you've been starting Jackson at quarterback. As for your running backs this week, uh, Spencer Ware, shoulder and hamstring injuries. Ware did leave the game versus Baltimore, but was able to return. It sounds like he'll be fine for Thursday night, but we'll see if he has any setbacks this morning, this next morning. Uh, Check in on his status this week. Matt Breida with his ankle sprain. Jeff Wilson Jr. played well in Breida's absence, so we'll see if they rush him back or give him another week. He's questionable for now. Monitor the practice reports this week. Uh, San Francisco isn't playing for the playoffs or anything. James Conner, high ankle sprain. After initial positive reports, Conner owners got the bad news last week that he was likely out. Connor may be out again this week. Uh, we're certainly not going to know by listening to Mike Tomlin. So hopefully you added one of the Pittsburgh backup wide receivers or somebody else off the waiver wire to replace him. Austin Eckler with the concussion and shoulder injury late in the game. We're not sure exactly what happened when he was hurt on the onside kick attempt. But either way, it sounds like he's doubtful for this Thursday night. Monitor the practice participation to see if anything changes. But have a backup plan ready. Melvin Gordon will likely be back. Which brings us to Melvin Gordon, grade 2 MCL sprain. Questionable this week, but with the AFC West title on the line and possibly the number one seed in the AFC and the fact that, we, as we just said, Eckler is likely out. Gordon may be back this week for the crucial game. Monitor his practice participation in the next couple of days. Isaiah Crowell, foot injury. He didn't practice most of last week with the foot injury and re-injured it during the game versus Buffalo. 
Lashawn McCoy, hamstring injury, questionable for this week, but soft tissue injuries like this generally do take a while to heal. Even if McCoy plays this week, he would be at risk of re-injuring it during the game. He's a risky play and droppable if Buffalo uh, reports that he will miss time. Corey Clement with the knee sprain, doubtful this week, but you weren't starting him anyways. If anything, that makes Darren Sproles worth a desperation flex play this week as Philadelphia's primary receiving back. Carry on Johnson and the knee sprain, sprain questionable, but unlikely to return this week. Monitor reports. And Malcolm Brown, clavicle fracture. He's on the IR. We briefly discussed him last week on the waiver wire section when talking about handcuffs and mentioned that John Kelly would be the best pickup right now if anything were to happen to Todd Gurley. It's just a quick game update here. Uh, Seattle just uh, threw a pass to their offensive lineman, and he was wide open. It's funny because I think he was so excited that he caught it. He he was running and stumbled and just fell. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I do love see seeing an offensive lineman getting involved here, though. Oh, big boys. Yeah. Um, I think uh, just random trivia, but I think they sent last night uh, the combined weight of all the Bears on that one touchdown play um, with all the defensive linemen and offensive linemen in there was over like 3,300 pounds or something like that. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Um, All right. Uh, Wide receiver injuries here. Odell Beckham Jr. Um, Big news last week. uh, That quad contusion kept him out against the Washington uh, matchup there. Uh, Beckham was a surprise and active, but doesn't seem too serious. Check his practice participation this week, but he should be okay. Tyreek Hill with that foot slash heel injury. Questionable again. Uh, We'll see if he's able to go on just four days rest, but uh, trusting medical knowledge more insightful than our own per at profootball.doc on Twitter. If Hill is active, he should be able to run all right despite that injury, though it may limit the types of routes that he can run. Uh, As a top five wide receiver talent, we would recommend playing him if he is indeed active on Thursday night. Kiki QT, hamstring injury. He's been dealing with this all year. Questionable to play this week, but even if he's active, he's a risky play when he's not 100% and risks re-injuring it yet again. Bruce Ellington, also a hamstring injury, questionable, but he was a PPR wide receiver four at best to start with in a stagnant Detroit offense. Even if Ellington's back, you probably don't want to start him when he's not 100%. Sammy Watkins with a foot injury, questionable, and we've had no additional information, just bad reports about it. So keep monitoring the practice sports, but that said, Watkins was a risky flex play to begin with and probably doesn't need to be rostered at this point in shallow or redraft leagues. If you're in the playoffs, you likely have better options at wide receiver. Deshaun Jackson with a thumb injury, questionable for this week. Again, you probably weren't starting him anyway, but this keeps Chris Godwin and Adam Humphreys at viable wide receiver through your flex plays. Pierre Garçon with a knee injury, finally on IR now. It's not like you were starting him anyway, but now he's 100% droppable in redraft, and this does keep Dante Pettis' fantasy potential alive. A couple tight ends, Austin Hooper, knee injury. Dan Quinn said that doesn't look like a long-term injury, but Hooper is questionable to play this week. Monitor his practice participation through the week. Jordan Reed, foot injury. We're not exactly sure what happened, but Reed hasn't historically been able to recover very quickly, and it didn't look good as he limped off the field. He's likely out this week, maybe the rest of the season. Johnu Smith, MCL sprain, out for the season on IR, droppable in all redraft formats. 
Yep, and if you need help at quarterback this week, some waiver wire ads. We've got Dak Prescott, shockingly still just 54% owned in ESPN, 57% owned in Yahoo. We've talked about him for weeks now. Prescott has played well since Dallas trade for Amari Cooper. He's been the fantasy quarterback too over the last four weeks. With Indy and Tampa Bay coming up, Prescott is a mid... Um, um, yeah, with Indy and Tampa Bay coming up, right? Um, yep. Prescott is a mid-range quarterback one for the fantasy playoffs and should be owned in most leagues. Even if you already have a quarterback starter, you could be denying a playoff opponent a big quarterback upgrade. Mitch Trubisky we talked about as well, 75% owned in ESPN, 73% Yahoo. If Trubisky was dropped in your league due to the injury, pick him up. He was awful against the Rams, but that shoulder should be another week healthier for a good matchup against Green Bay this week and then another good matchup against San Francisco next week. He's a low-end quarterback one with upside for both of these matchups. Derek Carr, just 11% owned in ESPN, 19% owned in Yahoo. Carr was awful this season, but he's quietly put together two nice games in a row now. He's still a risky play, but he has quarterback one upside this week against the terrible Cincinnati defense that's giving up the most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. Josh Allen, 17% owned in ESPN, 14% owned in Yahoo. Allen has averaged over 24 fantasy points per game now over his last three starts since returning from that injury. While he's still struggling to throw the ball, his rushing production makes him a high-floor, high-ceiling quarterback two option in fantasy. As for the waiver wire running backs... Hi, hi, Coco. Hello, Coco. <clears throat> As for your <laughs> waiver river, uh, waiver wire running backs, Jalen Samuels, 84% ESPN, 88% Yahoo. I have no idea why he isn't 100% owned because he's that game breaker. He is a game breaker. Um, but he's he will be the workhorse back again in great matchups versus New England if Connor misses another game. He's a PPR running back, too, with running back one upside as long as Connor is out. Jeff Wilson Jr., 75% ESPN, only 64% Yahoo. If Matt Burita is unable to return from his ankle injury, then Wilson Jr. will once again be the workhorse back for San Fran and a PPR running back two versus Seattle. Even if Burita returns, Wilson may have played well enough to retain some passing down and rushing work to be a flex play. Justin Jackson, 43% ESPN, 55% Yahoo. We have Jackson as the number three running back wide receiver ad behind Samuels and Wilson because early reports are Melvin Gordon could return for the Thursday night game versus KC. However, if Gordon can't go, Eckler isn't there. Jackson would be the top wide rece- uh, waiver wire ad this week and a high-end running back two for this matchup. Uh, Doug Martin. 59% ESPN, 52% Yahoo. Martin has had three straight games now with a rushing touchdown. As long as Oakland keeps the game close for Cincy, we should see more Martin and less Jalen Richard. Martin is a flex play as this Oakland offense is starting to perform better down the stretch. Eli McGuire, about 10% across the board with Isaiah Crowell dealing with a foot injury. McGuire is a volume-based running back three-play even versus a tough Houston defense, out-touching Trenton Cannon 20 times to six after Crowell left the game versus Buffalo. Damian Williams, 14% ESPN, 17% Yahoo. Even though Spencer Ware is the lead back in KC now with Kareem Hunt gone, Williams got the same amount of targets in the passing game and was utilized as a rusher at the goal line. He's a good flex play ranked barely behind Ware this week for Mung. 
Darren Sproles, 5% across the board. With Corey Clement likely out with a knee injury, Sproles returns to his role as the pass-catching back in Philly. He scored two games in a row since he returned from his hamstring injury, and Philly will likely need to play catch-up versus the Rams Sunday night. Theo Riddick, 37%, ESPN 54%, Yahoo. Riddick has been used a ton in the passing game since Detroit traded away Golden Tate. He's a low-ceiling, high-floor flex play in PPR. Chris Thompson, 55% ESPN, 48% Yahoo. Thompson is finally healthy from his rib injury. With Washington's offense, offensive line wrecked by injuries and their wide receivers underperforming, Thompson could see a ton of targets and a flex play in PPR despite a tough, tough matchup versus Jacksonville. Anything you want to add, Mung? Yeah, just uh, one uh, Avengers note here. As Dr. Strange reminded Tony Stark, uh, we're in the endgame now, so... Top running back handcuffs should be rostered over guys that you'll likely never start these next couple of weeks. This includes guys like Rod Smith in Dallas, John Kelly on the Rams, Cameron Ars Payne in Carolina, Royce Freeman in Denver, and Rashad Penny in Seattle. Remember that we had Spencer Ware on this list in prior weeks, so don't wait until something happens to your RB1. These guys are all worth a preemptive ad depending on your bench spots. As for the wide receiver, waiver wire ads, we've got DJ Moore leading the way, 77% owned in ESPN, 81% owned in Yahoo, and Curtis Samuel, 33% owned in ESPN, 30% owned in Yahoo. Both Moore and Samuel are getting more targets than Devin Funches at this point, and given how many points the Carolina defense is giving up to opponents, Newton needs to throw the ball in most games. With his shoulder injury, Newton is throwing short often to both Moore and Samuel, making them high upside wide receiver three or flex plays with a great schedule against New Orleans and Atlanta these next couple weeks. Deshaun Hamilton we touched on, 6% owned in ESPN, 7% owned in Yahoo. Cortland Sutton was the popular pickup last week after Emmanuel Sanders' injury news, but Hamilton has the best matchups in the slot and seems to be Case Keenum's preferred target. Hamilton is a wide receiver three in PPR, worth adding for these last two weeks. Adam Humphreys and Chris Godwin. Humphreys is 65% owned in ESPN, 74% owned in Yahoo, and Godwin is 72% owned in ESPN and 65% owned in Yahoo. It was a bad game against New Orleans, but with Tampa Bay's leaky secondary giving up a ton of points to opposing teams, Winston will continue to need to air it out to his receivers to keep up. They will be a bit boomer bust here in a tough matchup at Baltimore this week, but they're still viable flex plates. Anthony Miller, 36% owned in ESPN, 33% owned in Yahoo. Miller did nothing along with the rest of the Bears and Rams offenses in primetime, but Trubisky's shoulder should be healthier after another week removed from the injury suffered during the Minnesota game. Miller faces easy matchups against Green Bay and San Francisco the next two weeks and will be a boomer bust wide receiver three or flex play with a lot of upside. Dante Pettis is 20% owned in ESPN, 46% owned in Yahoo. Pettis has been the best receiver in San Francisco behind Kittle in recent weeks with four touchdowns in his last three games. His red zone rapport with Mullins and good matchups in the slot keep him a viable boomer bust flex play even against Seattle this week. Josh Reynolds, 41% owned in ESPN, 56% owned in Yahoo. The Bears' defense shut down the entire Rams' offense on Sunday night, but it should be a crapshoot for the Rams' wide receivers in a bounce-back game against Philadelphia's non-existent secondary. Reynolds is a boomer-bust flex with wide receiver one upside this week. 
Randall Cobb, 48% owned in ESPN, 33% owned in Yahoo. Cobb doesn't have a ton of upside against the Chicago defense that just shut down the Rams, but with Aaron Rodgers likely running for his life this week, Cobb may get a lot of checkdown targets, being more experienced in scramble drills situations than the rookie wide receivers. Slot cornerback Bryce Callahan for the Bears may also be out with a foot injury, which would help Cobb's matchup. Seth Roberts, 1% owned in ESPN and Yahoo, and Jordy Nelson, 33% owned in ESPN, 46% owned in Yahoo. Again, uh, these guys are just desperation wide receiver fours, but with Oakland's offense starting to gel a bit and Derek Carr playing better in recent weeks, the Bengals' secondary may continue this trend. Roberts is the preferred play with a high floor as a slot receiver, but both could go off in a great matchup. And then finally, David Moore, 13% owned in ESPN, 20% owned in Yahoo. Moore is still just a boomer bust wide receiver four. We saw him barely miss that touchdown tonight, and he got zero points uh, a couple weeks ago, which shows how low his floor is. However, he has good matchups coming up against San Francisco this week and Kansas City next week, with Seattle likely needing to throw the ball on offense to keep up with Mahomes and the Chiefs. That'll take us to our tight end waiver wire plays. C.J. Uzoma, 30% across the board. Uzoma has not done much this year, but Jeff Driscoll has been targeting him fairly consistently, and he plays Oakland this week, who's giving up the second most points to opposing tight ends in fantasy this season. Vernon Davis, 5% ESPN and Yahoo. Davis had four for 31 and a two-point conversion with Jordan Reed out with a foot injury. Reed may be out for this week and possibly the rest of the season. Jacksonville is a tough matchup, but Davis may still get enough checkdown targets to make him a viable tight end two streamer. Anthony Ferkser, not owned. If you're desperate, Ferkser is the tight end one now in Tennessee with Janu Smith out for the season. Ferkser has played well in limited action and caught all 16 of his targets this year. He has a decent floor, but very limited upside. Ian Thomas, 26% ESPN, 7% Yahoo. We told you about Thomas last week after he had five catches for 46 yards versus Tampa Bay, and he promptly went off versus Cleveland with 9 for 77 on 11 targets. New Orleans defends against the tight ends pretty well, so Thomas is a risky play, but he could see double-digit targets again if Cam Newton continues to throw short passes with his shoulder injury. And then this is getting a little on the deeper crazy side, but tight end handcuffs, Demetrius Harris and Dallas Goddard. I'm sure you can guess who those are the handcuffs to, Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz. If you own those guys, they are dominating teams for you. You need to have a backup plan. So if you don't have a viable option as a tight end two behind them, I think think it would be well worth your time to go ahead and and waste, if you will, a slot on these players. Yep, I definitely agree. Again, we're in the end game now, so... um... At defense here, uh, Jacksonville, 69% owned in ESPN, 71% owned in Yahoo. The Jaguars' defense has been boomer bust this year, but this should be a massacre playing at home against the Washington team that's on its fourth quarterback and has given up all hope. Baltimore's defense, 76% owned in ESPN, 71% owned in Yahoo. The Ravens' defense has been booming bust boom or bust as well but they played great limiting Patrick Mahomes and company on the road they should get enough sacks and turnovers against a struggling Tampa Bay team at home this week to make them a top five fantasy defense Detroit 24% owned in ESPN 19% owned in Yahoo Josh Allen is running the ball all over opposing defenses but he's also turned the ball over three times in each of his last two games Darius Slay could get another pick six here but even if he doesn't it's a good bet that the Lions will get at least an interception, a couple sacks on Allen. Atlanta defense, 6% owned in ESPN, 16% owned in Yahoo. 
Josh Rosen is struggling as much as Josh Allen, but without the rushing to pad his stats. Falcons defense has not been great this year, but they should be a decent play at home against the rookie quarterback now that Deion Jones is back. And of course, a couple uh, a couple kickers. You should never uh, you should never fall too much in love with your kicker. Don't get too tied down. Uh, Michael Badgley, twenty three percent owned in ESPN, forty two percent Yahoo. Badgley scored seventeen points in a game where the Chargers moved the ball but couldn't get into the end zone. There could be a lot of scoring again Thursday night versus the Chiefs. We've been talking about Badgley for weeks, and he's been the second highest scoring kicker over the last four weeks. Kaimi Fairbairn, seventy percent ESPN, sixty four percent in Yahoo. Fairbairn struggled along with the Texans' offense versus Indy with just three points after averaging over 15 points per game his prior three games. But he should be good to go this week and the next with the Texans likely to move the ball on poor defenses like the Jets and the Eagles. Adam Vinatieri, 60% across the board. Vinatieri is indoors for these last two weeks of fantasy playoffs at home versus Dallas and New York Giants. He's a future Hall of Famer that rarely misses. Indy should be able to move the ball on both these teams and give Vinatieri some field goal opportunities. Finally, Aldrich Rosas, 15% ESPN, 24% Yahoo. What if I told you that the Giants have won four of their last five games since their bye week, and Rosas has been the top-scoring fantasy kicker for that span? They get a tough matchup versus Tennessee this week, but it could be more field goals and fewer touchdowns for the Giants here. Yep, and uh, now that we're deep into the fantasy playoffs, uh, you know, these matchups matter. Uh, Every every half a point, every quarter point, every 50 points, uh, every zero point game matters for any player that you start. So these lineup the decisions are important. Uh, yeah, it, they, it is certainly is. Uh, certainly <laughs> is, Mr. Trebek. And, uh, you know, we, we, we wish you the best of luck if you've made it thus far in your fantasy playoffs. And as always, if you have more specific questions for us regarding your lineup decisions, your waiver wire ads, whatever it might be, you can always find us on Twitter. I'm at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And I'm at FFA underscore Los. That's L-O-S. You can also get at our amazing producer, Dan, at FFA underscore Dan. That's D-A-N, Dan, common spelling. Uh, Also, please don't forget that we're available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. So go ahead and hit subscribe, whether you're listening to us on your computer or mobile device. We'll have an automatic download waiting for you in your pocket or on your computer, I guess. I'm putting your computer in your pocket. But you take my point anyways early Tuesday morning. Yeah, good luck in your fantasy semifinals if you've made it thus far. And as always, it's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts. The first person to survive Alzheimer's disease is out there. They're going to hold on to everything the disease steals away. And the Alzheimer's Association is going to make it happen by funding research, advancing public policy, and spurring scientific breakthroughs. And by providing local support to those living with the disease and their caregivers, we're easing the burden until we accomplish our goal. But we won't get there without you. Visit alz.org to join the fight.